Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello there. Hi. Hi. This is Jessica. I- I'm Spencer. This is DNF. We talk about F1. And I am sort of thrilled to say we made it. We did it. We made it. Wait, did the F win? The F is still one. Okay. That's yeah. good. The F, the F is a P1. If that makes <laughs> any sense. It doesn't. It really doesn't. F's in the chat for that joke. We did it. We got through this entire F1 season, our first, and a, a very long, a longer season than I think people anticipate because we spaced things out. But man, March to November, a sizable. Oof. I, it, was the long, it was the longest season in F1 history, Spencer. Yeah. And is going to be even longer next season. Actually, that might not be true. Last season might have been, I, I don't know. I can't remember. But next season is going to be even longer, though, because they're adding races and so more F1 to look forward to next season, certainly. And this will be our last show maybe for a few weeks. We'll maybe have some off-season planning things. But before we get to all of that, we should probably talk about the grand finale. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that people got to start on pre-show racing or, or pre-season racing uh, a good four months ahead of time, five <laughs> months ahead of time. That, that's what this felt like. That's what the Abu Dhabi yeah. race felt like. And because this just sort of felt like um, everybody going out, getting a couple of laps. Yes. A couple of interesting things. But, you know, when I don't want to say that there wasn't uh, intensity because Charles Leclerc got out of his car after his finish at P2 and said, you know, I had to give 110% intensity. He looked genuinely drained. But when even. Mick Schumacher and Nicholas Latifi in his final race <laughs> uh, as an F1 driver this turnaround. He, uh, when they do a synchronized spin ever that so gently cute. into the wall. I liked it. But then they continue racing. Like that to me is indicative of what you say. Well, what was the Abu Dhabi race? You go, ah, practice. Yeah, felt, it felt know. like very, very intense practice. 
I think the two big storylines going into the race were obviously the second place mm -hmm. battle between Perez and Leclerc. And there were a couple other drivers that could have possibly stolen that spot away. But those two seem like the most likely to get second in the driver's championship. And then Sebastian Vettel's last race in Formula One. He's raced 299. He started 299 races, which seems like, ooh, we couldn't have just waited one more, made it a nice round number, but that's fine. Maybe he'll be back next year to fill in for someone. There are obviously hints that maybe he'll return to at some capacity in racing, but maybe not F1. Who mm -hmm. knows? But those were kind of the two main things going into the weekend. I think one of those things ended in a pretty dramatic fashion and the other not so much so why don't we i guess maybe first talk about Charles leclerc and sergio perez and that battle spencer what did you think of the way that that finished today that for all of my just saying that this was casual i, I don't think it's casual for the people fighting for second third fourth i think they uh i think they were they were gunning and doing actual work there and uh, to me, this is what I want to see next season, right? Like, this is what I hope to see next season is I hope to see more of this. I hope to see more head-to-head, -head, down the ballot kind of fight infighting and fighting all the way down. Notice I said infighting because Mercedes <laughs> is right there and, and Red Bull is right there. And apparently, for the moment, the most harmonious among the three major teams is uh, Ferrari, which sounds weird. That's only for the drivers. We'll get to that. There's a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of controversy in the mm -hmm. garage, or or no controversy if you listen to what they say. All we have no comments on those things. Uh, yeah, all of these teams' PR is tremendous. Like from Red Bull straight up posting a statement that had a lie in it, an easily mm -hmm. easily disprovable lie in it, to Ferrari. What's the word I'm looking for? Disputing a, a report that then turned out to be true like three days later that everyone mm -hmm. was going to find out was true eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Spencer, the PR machines behind these teams, sometimes I'm like, ah, man, what are, what are we doing, guys? That stuff, it's out there. <laughs> what are we doing? We should have those jobs. Like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, I'm just going to lie. Lie. Just going to make a crazy half lie and dare you to catch up because we have a race next week and something else will happen and you'll forget I said it. Exactly. It's like they all have Mike McClintock from Veep running their PR department. <laughs> <laughs> Get just up keep, on the fly. Just keep talking. Just keep talking. It's fine. But I, I loved, I, I did love that. Like in a race where I don't feel like much actually happened, then I do love the idea that Red Bull and Ferrari with the results decided we're still going at it, um, which next year, if we can get that Mercedes and with McLaren nipping at someone's heels, I'm fine with that. Like that, that to me would be the most compelling season that we've had in terms of a team dynamic in a really long time. Yeah, I think Red Bull made the last couple of races interesting with the second place debacle mm -hmm. because Sergio Perez lost out on second place by three points. If he had mm. gotten the spot ahead of Max last weekend, I think he still would have lost second place if the finish had been the exact same this weekend. And obviously, we don't know if they race differently knowing you know, he's ahead of Leclerc or not. I, I don't really, you know, it's butterfly effect, whatever. But mm -hmm. he did end up not getting second place, which he was in a good position to get in last week's race coming into this week. Um, so I think there's, he's probably a little bummed out by that, I would say. And that whole ugly 
situation doesn't look great now mm. that he didn't end up getting it anyways. It wasn't inevitable that he would, even though they have a fast car because Leclerc has still been in it, despite the fact that Spencer, I think you and I hypothesized that like Charles Leclerc died a little bit after the French Grand Prix when he let out that scream like he's just kind of been really low-key since then like that like some like a demon was expelled from his body and he just kind of like slowly like receded from the public a little bit afterwards but yeah he ended up getting second place which I think is great I think you know if you just look at the first half of the season and you said okay but at the end of this year it's going to be a a Red Bull Ferrari 1-2 finish in the driver's championship um, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Actually, it didn't. I didn't think it would be like this. I didn't think it would be as uncompetitive as it was between the one and the two. But I'm I'm happy for Charles Leclerc because he did have some pretty good races, despite the fact that his own team was sabotaging him. Yeah, about that. About that. <laughs> so let's go ahead and talk about Mattia Bonotto. Mattia. Uh, the director at Ferrari. Um, there was a report out that he was going to be replaced by Fred Vasser. And that was from the Gazzetta dello Sport. Right. Which, by the way, Spencer, now that like Twitter is, you can pay for a blue check and like, you know, no verified information is fact checkable. Like, I saw this on Twitter and I was like, I have. At first, it's in Italian. No idea. Second, I don't know this newspaper. Third, is coming from Twitter. I have absolutely no idea what this thing is and if it's reputable or not. But yes, mm -hmm. continue. I'm sorry for that interruption. Yeah, which to to follow up <laughs> to follow up on your point, the foreign standards for what is a source and how well sourced it may be are not necessarily the American court tested three sources and the truth. It's not always that. So you'll get a lot of stuff free firing and like, you know, the Gazzetto del Sport, um, which might be respected, but still you'll get some stuff that, that just flies out and you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt, which is kind of what a good PR person would say and shouts out mm. to the good PR people at Ferrari. Who put a Fred grain of Semolina. Mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I don't know um, what I'm doing. <laughs> it's early. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Uh, Fred Vassar, uh, I won't say, he then said this, which again, fantastic work in public relations and public theater here. Fred Vassar said, I won't say anything. You'll find out soon enough. That makes it worse. <laughs> what? Like, <laughs> you would just, like, you would just deny it if it weren't true. Obviously, right? <laughs> what do you think? Know. I don't know. <laughs> right? Like, think about any important question you have for anyone in your life, right? Think mm -hmm. about, like, hey, what did you do with my money? Did you steal it? Right? <laughs> you don't say, you don't say, well, you'll find out soon enough. No, you just say, no. <laughs> the police are questioning me for a crime and asking me if I did it. And I say, well, you'll find out <laughs> soon enough. <laughs> That's a villain answer. That's a super villain answer. <laughs> okay, so as of as of the publication of this podcast, whenever that will be, do we know if Mattia Bonotto is leaving? If this was actually his final race as team principal? At the moment, 
this is my favorite <laughs> my favorite thing Mattia Bonotto uh according to Reuters is relaxed <laughs> also kind of a weird one I wish I had this much money I actually don't know what that means that might be that actually might be a really good thing to say it means you're, I, you're it means you're european and you have money when somebody's like hey do you, do you know if you're gonna be fired they're like i'm very relaxed right now <laughs> so relaxed truly uh, good for him either way i mean it's one of those things where like we see it in, in other sports too where people see something failing spectacularly to a degree in which you're like someone has to get fired right so mm -hmm. it would make sense that you would lose your job over some of the foibles of this past season. I don't know if that means you change your chief strategist or the head of your team or whoever, but it's like fans want to see heads roll when things fail as spectacularly as they have for Ferrari this past entire season. So I guess we'll find out next season and we'll wait and see, but I, I'm glad he's relaxed. I'm glad that this is a, a nice fun relaxing time for him because well you know this is nice was... because Mattia Mattia is just setting the tone for all of us right do you care you should not I am relaxed I am very <laughs> relaxed Mattia Bonotto approaching being fired with the same uh attitude that one has of like having a terminal disease I'm resting comfortably it's mm -hmm. fine yeah I am with my family we will go on holiday we're it gonna go on holiday I mean everyone's going on holiday now yeah, because season's over. So, all right. Well, that's it for Ferrari, I guess. Kind of a <laughs> a really meh season. I'm glad. I'm glad they had like one final race where they put things together for Charles Leclerc. But other than that, let, let me see. Wait, uh, Carlos finished in fifth place behind George Russell. So the, the final standings for the drivers' championship are Verstappen, Leclerc, Perez, Russell, Carlos Sainz, Lewis Hamilton, Baby Lando, Esteban Ocon, Fernando Alonso, and Valtteri Bottas at tenth, and then you know, Daniel Ricciardo in 11th and the rest of the field behind him. So two and five, not bad for Ferrari, but not the championship race season that I think we expected after like four races when it looked like Red Bull was the unreliable car and Ferrari was figuring things out pretty quickly. Figuring out things rapidly. It was, it was wild to me that after, after a month, we thought, this is this they finally did it they've they've put it together and then after two months um the thought was uh there's absolutely no way that this team can make an omelet much less <laughs> you know that like these are drivers who live to be sabotaged by the insane decisions of their managers which you know, like for those who work are work a day folks in the corporate world, relatable. No team mm -hmm. more relatable than Ferrari. Do we think their espresso machine broke or something? I think that would probably explain a lot of things <laughs> if they had just been like a little low on caffeine. Yeah, it would explain why Bonotto's so relaxed too, because I definitely don't feel relaxed after I've drinking an espresso, but I'm also, you know, not a real Italian. I'm just an Italian American. So I don't know, Spencer, we should probably talk about Sebastian Vettel. It was his final air quotes, final. We don't know race in formula one. He had a 
lot of things to say to race control about their strategy. I love him kind of mm-hmm. chewing them out over the radio on his final lap of his yeah. final F1 race and just being like, hey, I just want everyone to know, like, this isn't my fault. These guys are idiots and they have the strategy completely <laughs> wrong. I don't even know how they got it this wrong. It doesn't seem possible to get it this wrong. But my favorite it, question is always, is always, how did we get this that wrong? <laughs> like, that's the ultimate, like, excuse me, excuse me, guy in the car. How did we get this so wrong? That's right. bringing you in here with me. Yes. I, I like the using the we when it's an obvious, like, you problem. Like, hey, boyfriend, how did we let the kitchen get so messy when it's obviously, like, he was the one cooking mm-hmm. and made the mess? But you do the we to soften it so it doesn't seem as accusatory. But mm-hmm. reading between the we is the you. Like, why did you, how did you fuck this up so bad? And I like when I like when people do that when they're managing up to people that should be doing their jobs correctly. It's a it's a good strategy, good tactic. I mean, let's also remind everybody that that this thirty five year old man with the long hair and the chill attitude and the focus on things that, in his words, are bigger than the sport, um, was not always that person. I enjoyed seeing a little bit of Aggie aggro. <laughs> Sebastian Vettel peek out because this is someone who has been doing this his whole life. I'm pretty sure that he got into a cart when he the like the minute that he could walk. Mm-hmm. And this is a dude who is a champion and was an intense competitor before he entered this kind of, you know, grandfatherly, cheerful, generally like very balanced person. This is a luxury. That's a luxury because Sebastian Vettel, uh, Sebastian Vettel was not always this dude. He was he was a hard charger, super intense, and the kind of person who would chew out his crew over the radio. <laughs> and as we can see, this is still still kind of that dude. Yeah, I mean, I I liked his his post uh, race interview with Jensen Button, where I mean, at first he was like, I have nothing to say, like I'm I'm spent. But then he he was like, you know, the last few years have been important for me in realizing that there's things bigger than racing. And and he kind of spoke to that, like, I think since 2020, joining Aston Martin, not being on, you know, Ferrari anymore and COVID and all of these things happening in the world, he like really kind of took that to heart and decided to do more with his career than just be a driver. And that's something that you can only do, I think, when you've had the career he's had and like the respect that he has, he's not, he's not racing for his seat every year anymore. Like he's just able to have fun and, and like send messages when he wants to, which is a cool place to be. And now he's unfortunately not going to be on the grid anymore, but hopefully we'll still see him around um, because I do think he has a really positive impact on the sport in general and what he brings to the table. Speaking of the table, um, we do need to talk about one of the most important pieces of content to come out of this Grand Prix weekend, which Mm -hmm. is the all driver dinner in Abu Dhabi that uh, allegedly Lewis Hamilton set up and hosted and paid for. And according to Martin Brundle during qualifying paid 140,000 Euro for the 20 drivers to eat at this meal. So what what were your thoughts when you saw all of the pictures? It reminded me a lot of like the NFL uh, meet, winter meetings where the coaches all like take an awkward photo together. It was a little bit like that because these guys don't like hang out like this, especially not all 20 of them at once without like 
publicist sitting next to them. So wh- what were your thoughts about that? Uh, that one, it had to be awkward because <laughs> yeah, because they don't get to do this. And also that um, these dudes are highly specialized when you're dealing with uh, extremely specialized people. Sometimes you get uh, very awkward results in terms of social skills. That had to be very awkward. I think that once Lewis was paying, um, I want to know which driver was like, oh, oh, we're getting the steak. We're getting, we're getting, this is Abu Dhabi and Lewis is paying. I'm getting the steak that was grown from a cow raised on the moon. They don't, I don't, I don't think many of these drivers drink alcohol, at least not like during like a couple nights before a race. Yeah. So for it to be 140,000 euros without like a $20,000 bottle of champagne, that's a lot of money to me. I think it helps that the one drinker there is probably just sticking to beer. Hi, Daniel. Yeah. (laughs) Hi. Okay. That was, Spencer, this is my other thing. So, so F1 posted a seating chart. And Daniel Ricardo is at the end of the table. To me, he's a middle table seat. Oh, like you have to put him in the in the middle. You can't put Nicholas Latifi in the middle of the table. It has to be Daniel Ricardo. Mm-hmm. Well, that is not what Lewis thought. And that is a curious thing to explore <laughs> on its own. That Lewis said basically he put Daniel Ricardo as close to the kids' table as he could. <laughs> There's that no is kids' true. table, but he, he put that, him way at the end. He's next to Zhou Guan Yu, Yuki Tsunoda, Pierre Gasly, and Lando Norris. Like that, the, that, that's the, the kids' table. The four dri- other youngest drivers on the grid, I think, other than maybe George Russell and Alex Albon. That's the kids' quarter. Yeah. That's what that is. That's the little containment area. I think the Max Verstappen side of the table also is interesting because it's Ocon, uh, Lance Stroll, and then the two Haas drivers. <laughs> Like he didn't, he was sat nowhere near Sergio Perez, who you'd think, you know, up b- before last weekend, you'd think he'd probably feel the most comfortable sitting by. I don't know. I, someone put in the chat, do you think they had assigned seating? That is a great question that I've, I've been thinking about a lot the last few nights. Like, Spencer, you seem to think Lewis Hamilton sat them. Oh, please. Yeah. How coordinated and together is Lewis Hamilton about everything? Look at the man's <laughs> outfits, look at the way he conducts his business, and tell me. There was not a seating chart. I guarantee you there was a seating chart. And if not an explicit seating chart, then suggestions of, well, why don't you sit here? Why, why don't you sit here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and honestly, like for most people, if you're, if you're Yuki Sonoda and Lewis Hamilton walks up and goes, hey, Yuki, I think you should sit right there. Yuki's probably going to go, it's a good idea, Lewis. <laughs> I'm going to sit there. I wanted to go through a series of restaurants, by the way. Where they could have spent less than uh, what was it, one hundred and forty thousand euro? Apparently, yeah, according to Brundle. Mm-hmm. Okay, a list of restaurants in Abu Dhabi that exist to real and are currently open that they could have eaten at. They could have eaten at the Hardee's in Abu Dhabi. What? Yes. I thought you were gonna say like Hard Rock Cafe, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. But Hardee's. Mm-hmm. They could like, have eaten. Wait, 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 hold on, like the chain restaurant that the South Carolina Clemson Trophy used to be modeled after. That mm-hmm. Hardee's. That is correct. And Schutz, by the way, the South Carolina Clemson Trophy that should still be modeled after a Hardee's. I mean, stay, stay true to your roots. Fair, fair. I like the new trophy, but go on. The other thing, the other place that they could have eaten, there are several other quality options that would have been, I think, much less expensive and easier on the wallet. There is a Popeyes. Okay. Uh, that uh, is has 2.8 stars, which um, I will say this. It must be good 
because it only has 2.8 stars. <laughs> that reminds me of when I had a French exchange student once and I, we, my sister and I took her to Chipotle and this was like in 2008 or nine. And we were like, oh, you have to try it, Chipotle. It's so good. And she left and was like, I do not like this place. It is way too spicy. And we were like, it's literally <laughs> Chipotle. She could not tolerate the heat. So I don't know if I don't know if Popeyes would work out for many of the drivers on the grid. It seems like mm. a group with sensitive tummies. Y- Yuki would Yuki would dominate it. I feel pretty confident. Um, you know, because the man. The man likes Gasly snacks. would be Gasly. Let's put it that way. He's French. He would he'd be like, oh, this is so spicy. And you'd be like, that's black pepper. That's black <laughs> right. pepper, my dude. What is all this oil? I yeah. want butter on my chicken. Or, or they could have gone to Abu Dhabi's hottest chicken finger joint. That's right. Raisin Canes. They could what? have gone to Raisin Canes. There's a Raisin Canes in Abu Dhabi? There is. There is. And there's some nice table seating they could have just gotten all of the drivers there. I think Lewis probably would have been out like 300 bucks if everyone went super nuts. <laughs> wow. I, those are the last three. I mean, Popeyes, I think I could have guessed. Mm-hmm. Hardee's and Raisin Cane's, like those are obscure even among certain groups of Americans, I think. Yeah. Like Hardee's is super regional. Hardee's is super regional. Raisin Cane's is super regional to college campuses. <laughs> this, is, this is me making an argument that Abu Dhabi... It's like a little corner of uh, a little corner of southern Arkansas. Wow. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to I wanted to ask you, like, if I had to give you, um, if I had to give you the driver, like, you know, people in these end of year shows usually go, oh well, who was most improved? Who was the mm-hmm. you know most important driver? I, I don't know. They got a list for that, man. Look, there's right. there's points. Who was the driver that you personally followed this year and thought? this was the most compelling story like funny frustrating whatever it was who was the person that you sort of had to follow every week that's a a good question i mean i think of the better drivers i've enjoyed what i've enjoyed watching the best lad george <laughs> it was mm-hmm. quite a slip of the tongue the best lad george russell i mean he it was his first year at mercedes i kind of was unsure how he would do mm-hmm. with the car being not as good as it really was expected to be to start the year. And he's just he, like the first half of the season, he was like steady Eddie, just doing really well. He was very earnest. And like, also he's kind of funny and charming at the same time. Like I, we didn't really talk about on this podcast, his, his commentary about um, the meme with mm-hmm. the looking out the window meme, which like was maybe one of my top three favorite, uh, F1 things of of the entire year mm-hmm. but I enjoyed watching him race like I thought he did a really good job he's but he's definitely not the most like interesting driver which is why it's a difficult question I think can I flip it back to you and ask you well I have it, it, this is interesting because I have I have a similar answer oh. in, in terms of character because yeah I, I think it was fascinating watching watching George develop and there were uh, because he went from being someone who I think was confident but pretty sedate in terms of where he was to asserting himself more, um, you know, both on the track and off the track at Mercedes, you know, getting his first win and saying, you know, hey, this is the first of, you know, the first mm-hmm. of many to come. I mm-hmm. think that's that's a good look into psychologically where he thinks he belongs. You know, he thinks he should be podium, top five, 
ultimately winning championships, which is what Mercedes hired him to do. So like, hey, good on you. This is this is an amazing development curve. It's been beautiful to see. Um, I even enjoyed when he went dark George when he mm -hmm. became uh, the most vicious lad. Went a little crazy for a week, but then he kind of came back. Got his elbows out. You yeah. Know? Got his elbows that's out. That's what and, they say. But that's not the story to me that has been like the one that I keep coming back to. Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc to me is somebody who I had to watch try to like, like avoid failing. Somebody mm -hmm. who really confronted a failure that he could not control. And that mm -hmm. to me is and how he handled that and how I, I think he persevered while being put in the most ironic position in F1, which is at the helm <laughs> of a perfect machine run by deeply imperfect individuals. That, mm -hmm. that to me was the thing that race after race, when you go, well, what am I watching? I'm like, I don't know if this makes me a bad person, but I'm going to sit here and tune in to see what they do to Charles Leclerc today. Like right. what fate, what banana gets put in the tailpipe? Today? <laughs> Yeah, we, we watched a lot of like Charles Leclerc overcoming things that were out of his control this season, which always makes for a good storyline because it's like the adversity created by his own team members that he still has to rely on to not, you know, do something even worse the following weekend, right? Like you have mm -hmm. to really trust those people and your teammates and the engineers and the strategists every week, even after they've broken your trust so many times in like these publicly humiliating ways. So I think that that's a great answer without being like sounding too Mercedes Homer. I think Lewis Hamilton, you can kind of talk about him in the same light. Like last year after Abu Dhabi, many people speculated he wouldn't even come back to Formula One. He like took a three month social media hiatus and there was just like so much speculation about how he would rebound mentally from that. Um, and I thought he did... I think over the season, he you could kind of see it happen in real time. Like, I think he was pretty insecure the first few races and this the car was really bad and he was working as hard as he could to help them fix it. And finally, like midway through the season, things got better for Mercedes and they did make improvements. And and like he, he had to watch his younger teammate plays better than him a lot of weeks in a row. And I'm sure that that was very concerning and made him even more doubtful about his own career. But I think now, like the last couple of weeks, he's been way more confident and like, yeah, I'm coming back. I want to win another championship and like, I still want to do this. So I think that's been kind of interesting to watch play out too, because he just had such a strange off season compared to the other drivers who all knew yeah. they were coming into what to expect coming into this season. And he, I don't know. I still don't know what he did between December and March of 2021 and 2022. He was like zero dark 30 or whatever LeBron calls it, mm -hmm. um, which is strange when you're an incredibly famous person. Somebody should see you. Right. The, the, exactly. Like, like where, where are the tabloids? Not that I want them to like, you know, I just finished season five of the crown, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't, because I don't watch the crown is, um, is that is that the show about uh, the the very short British people mm -hmm. who don't have jobs? No, that's Drive to Survive. <laughs> yes, <that's, laughs> there's only there's only one of them, <laughs> two of two of them, three of them. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to count British people in F1. If I do, I'm going to be doing this for quite a while. Um, I would 
I would also say this, that the driver who I thought had the best year in terms of ending up in a better place, ending up with better expectations, and just having an overall kind of like great uh, reset, readjust, start over. Man, my boy Valtteri. Valtteri. He's thriving, man. You saw, you see that mustache, right? Uh Uh-huh. He's having a, a transformation. I think you're absolutely right. Like, he's not under Lewis Hamilton's shadow anymore. And, like, granted, I'm sure it's been frustrating with all the retirements and mechanical issues he's had to deal with that. He probably didn't have to deal with as much at Mercedes. Certainly didn't finish on any podiums this season. But I'm with you. It just I, it feels like a good place to be racing for a team that isn't going to get as much as attention mm-hmm. and you could still mountain bike on the weekends with your girlfriend in Colorado and grow a mustache and drink fancy coffee and be rich. It's very, very good coffee. Yes. <laughs> as we did with close personal friend of DNA. Yes. Valtteri Baltas I hope he comes back. I hope yeah. he comes back on the off season. We were also uh, working on securing an interview with Daniel Ricardo, which now he will probably have more free time on his hands, but We'll, we will see. The reports are he will be the reserve driver for Red Bull next year, which I think is a PR masterclass by Christian Horner because it mm-hmm. takes so much pressure off of Checo and Max to have a personality like Ricardo in the garage. At the same time, do we think that Max and Checo will get a little jealous of how much attention will be on their reserve driver next season mm-hmm. and that that might wrinkle them a little bit? Um, I think for uh, I think for either Max or Checo, they will only mind that if uh, he's literally like if a photographer is standing in the way of them getting from like, you know, one <laughs> wrench to another. That's like Mac. I think we've seen the, the deal with Max is that Max is 100 percent racing and that he's this automaton who's just I am doing the GQ shoot. Take picture of me. I am now I back GQ in car shoot. where I am happy and alive. I also loved uh, that Christian Horner was doing an interview with Sky today. I was like, well, that boycott really, really showed them. <laughs> it was like no. one week. <laughs> this is this is like when I say I'm not going to use Twitter. That's a right. lie. That's, That's just a lie. lie. Wouldn't even pretend to say such a thing. I'll be back not. in three minutes. Yes. That's an absolute lie. And Literally, I'm on it. it on two devices right now. Just. Yeah. Just so it's, everyone knows. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to tweet. Yeah, I'm going to read it. That's, yeah, like Christian Horner. Christian Horner can't pass a mirror without having a discussion. Yeah. All right? That's, that's, nah. Nah. Before we sign off, uh, the chat, as always, is open to questions. But, Spencer, I wanted to ask if you saw Max Verstappen's interview with um, with Sky before the race, where he said he signed with Red Bull until 2028 because after 2028 he might retire. Was this him like doing a an Aaron Donald or like a college football head coach where he's like, yeah, 2028, that's when I want my really big extension. So that's why I didn't sign a longer contract. I, I never, I, in F1, I really don't believe like the longer contract is ever the thing. It's an inherently unstable sport in this sense that if you have two drivers on a team, right? If you have two drivers on a team, one of them will always be gunning for the other. Like, F1 is an illustration of why the Star Wars universe would never work as an organizational thing. Because remember the Sith, there's always two, right? There's the rule of two. You have the guy who's going to cut your head off, and you have the guy who cuts heads. Like, that's 
that's it and that's inherently unstable so um my that's a long way of me saying i, I don't know man <laughs> it just it's so it's it to me like the idea that there is so much money at stake and very few people are ever really secure in anything they do like we've even had the discussion this year in theory where you go hey man like what's the end game on lewis hamilton going to be that's ridiculous like you have to have that discussion but the sport is so cutthroat and so aggressive that that you take guys like you know sebastian vettel or fernando alonso who are older but still very much capable of doing the job and you know you push them down to aston martin that's that's bonkers we also should mention this was Haas's uh, best finish in the constructors standing since like 2018, I want to say, which is to say that they finished third from last in eighth place with 37 points, but they finished above Alpha Tori and Williams. So yeah. shout out Haas giving me strong 2022 Vanderbilt football vibes this season. No, yeah. no offense to you, Spencer. Oh, hey, no, no, no. That's the, the, <laughs> they had a great game. Good for them. I'm glad someone I'm glad someone had a good day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have a question from the chat. Uh, at the driver dinner, who gave the toast, and what did they say? Well, it wasn't Valtteri, because he's Finnish, and he's not going to talk if he doesn't have to. Um, <laughs> that's, that's not going to happen, man. Um, I, I think, you know what? I, I think the guy who gave the toast was Lewis. Lewis seems like a toast guy, doesn't he? Does. He does. Yeah, he does. He Well, he's very soft-spoken, but he also seems like the one to like want to make sure everyone knows how meaningful something is. Correct, correct. At all times. I also think Sebastian Vettel probably gave one too. Oh, absolutely. But but, yeah. but like to, to me, uh, like Lewis is the kind of guy who has been through so much therapy and has so much coaching that he's the kind of person who walks into a room and says, what's our intent? Right. What's our, right. How, what's our, how meaningful are we going to make this? So yeah, I, I absolutely yeah. see that. He tells people how much he appreciates them a lot. Right. Right, and it's weird. It's a little <laughs> weird. Like okay. I like thank you, but that yes. was a little intense, Lewis. You right, exactly. Th th thanks. Oh yeah, I I appreciate you too, man. Yeah, man. I'm <laughs> just trying, I'm just trying to get to the coffee. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> what was the most improved team based on your beginning of the year expectations? I mean, I talked. We talked a little bit about it with drivers not so much in improving but in like surprising and and like interest levels but um i don't know all right Ferrari, i guess it, it's <laughs> almost easier it's almost easier to say who it isn't yeah than, than who exactly it is. um i think if you look at <laughs> i'm gonna i'll say it shouts out to haas gang haas yeah maybe haas. it's haas Maybe it's Haas with with one and a half like good drivers or competent drivers, I should say. Yeah, Haas. I'll go ahead and, and we'll, we'll I'll go ahead and Haas. hand it to uh, to Gunther. You know why? My expectations were rock bottom, and they exceeded but, them by but two. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, they exceeded them by two places. So well done. I think that whole mid rank, like like Aston Martin and Alpha, both. I think we're far more competitive at times. Like my indication of whether you've exceeded expectations is whether I have to talk about you when I didn't think I was going to have to talk about you. Yeah. And both, and at times, both Aston and Alpha, you go, ah, which good, nice job, guys. Yeah, I mean, I think if Alpine didn't have so many issues, like they had a, a few mechanical issues, but they also had like driver issues. Uh -huh. Like they kept getting in their own way the entire season. I think they still they still ended up finishing fourth behind. 
Mercedes by edging out McLaren by like 10 points, but they're basically going up against one McLaren driver because Daniel Ricciardo finished out of the points so often that like it wasn't, you know, that that was their advantage. It wasn't really because they were doing anything that much better. They just kept getting in their, their own ways and McLaren just didn't have a second driver to, to score very many points. So yeah, I guess like I wouldn't say wouldn't say either of those teams. Maybe maybe Haas is the right answer for that one. I can't, I can't, I'm going to take one here. <laughs> Which race day rules should be changed? Bring back refueling? Question <laughs> mark. Oh God, no, no. I don't. <laughs> I don't want fire to be part of this. I really, really don't. Definitely you know? not. I, I do have a. I do have an idea. Not for race day, but qualifying, which I'm. Uh, I'm taking from another podcast, Mixed Apex podcast. They were talking about in. I can't remember. It might be an IndyCar. If you screw up at, if you screw up during qualifying, you get your fastest lap time deleted. So mm-hmm. essentially, if you're in first place in qualifying and you crap crash out, you get your fastest lap time deleted. So it disincentivizes you from doing anything that might cause a crash. So what happened in Monaco with Perez crashing wouldn't happen. There would be a a big disincentivized dis- disincentivization to do anything stupid in qualifying to preserve your fast lap time. Mm-hmm. That I think would probably be a good, good one to bring into F1. I could go with that. I, I will just, I just want to go ahead and say, don't bring back refueling. If you've ever seen, if you've ever seen a pit crew member <laughs> on fire, you don't want that. Yeah, no, I, I know I don't want, I, I don't even want to pump my own gas, let alone watch people do it going like a hundred miles an hour. Absolutely. In a pit lane. Can I, let me put it this way. Do you want to give Ferrari the danger of fire to go with everything else that could go wrong in a Ferrari pit stop? <laughs> okay, you're with me. You're on Ooh. the same page. Did we do like our favorite fuck up of the year? Mine was when um, so I, I think it was Sergio Perez drove over the screw gun. That was like my favorite, <laughs> like little, like dumb thing of the entire season. Do you have a favorite dumb moment? Um, I do. I do. It's the it's the d- pit pit. Don't pit. Wait, no. Like that's. <laughs> Like watching. Oh, it was so good. Mm-hmm. Just watching. I think that that was that was that the race that broke Leclerc. The ah! honestly, if it wasn't and that happened in two separate days, like God bless this man. I yeah. hope he has a long restful off season. All of these races like jumbled together in my brain, but yeah, the French Grand Prix. Oof. That was yeah. Close. So uh, a couple of a couple of other spicy uh, bully base. A couple of other rapid fire ones before we uh, conclude the f- festivities today and get to the champagne um let's see would either one of you be able to do one lap in an f1 car i can't fit in one <laughs> i can't like i can't i think like i'm i'm about 235 pounds right now there's no way i'm getting in that car can i drive an f1 car no i was watching sebastian vettel do donuts and i was like literally ha- like if you put me in one of those cars and said do a donut Mm-hmm. My, I would have a absolute meltdown okay. trying to figure the mechanics of that out. There's no way. Real quick, Jessica, do you have an Xbox or a PlayStation in your house? I do have a PlayStation. Okay, go get the F1 game done. By I have code. it. Okay, it's so hard. I can't put even it, play the game. Put it on max difficulty. You cannot, which is I, basically a simulator. Yes, you cannot get out of the garage. You it's cannot. so hard. I no. I this game has caused so many arguments in my household because. Mm-hmm. My boyfriend got it like last year, maybe, I don't know, he got it a while ago, and he was like really bad at it, and I kept making fun of him for being bad at it, and then he's like, all right, fine, like, 
try. And so I tried it and yeah. I was just cursing the entire time and he was laughing at me and it, it's caused a lot of fights. We actually, neither of us has played it in a few months because it's just not a good thing to bring up in this household anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 rough. Codemasters makes great games. I love the entire Dirt series. The Rally series is immaculate. Frankly, the F1 game is very accurate according to everyone who's played it who actually has some racing experience. However, that means it's hard. It's This is all very, very difficult. So hard. Shouts out to even the lowest driver on the totem pole because following the Brian Scalabrini rule from the NBA, every single one of these people could absolutely waste your ass in a race car easily yeah. easily even, even nicholas gotifi it, it listen latifi i talked to like latifi's coach like his driving coach and they're like hey man latifi's a great driver it's just not working <laughs> i just love when it's one of these races where every, everything's kind of just like happening around him and he's just going really slow in the back of the pack and he's just like doo, doo, doo. i'm just trying to keep my nose out of trouble those are my favorite Latifi races. And then he still gets in an incident with Mick Schumacher anyways, because he's going too slow. But uh, that's what I would be doing. I would be going as slow as when you get on, as you, like when you accidentally merge onto the expressway and you stay in the right lane and just go like 50 until the next exit. Yeah. Yeah. That's my driving style. Oh, by the way, I love doing this because they don't think we look in the chat. Uh, Remo G0915 is saying like, no, man, the biggest drivers don't touch it. Did we say the F1 drivers actually fucking use the F1 sim like game as a simulator? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Absolutely ridiculous. No. My my favorite was a tweet that someone sent us last week about the Max Verstappen. And so I guess we said after the Austin race that like Team Red Bull had had no i guess we were just saying that they're kind of boring like both of the drivers are just driving machines and then a week later obviously all this shit hit the fan with red bull and some guy called us out and i was just like yeah well we have new information now so mm -hmm. our opinions have changed <laughs> yeah sometimes it just happens <laughs> yeah that's it the uh last question that i would like to address in all of this uh, which team should get a Kane sponsorship? That's right. The mm. only one with American roots, Haas. Haas. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I was going to say Kane's like Miami Hurricanes, and then you got to go Williams because they can't score points. Yeah. Um, that, I believe, brings us to a wrap for a DNF for today. I have really enjoyed this season. I look forward to doing it again. Somebody was like, are you guys going to do this again? Yeah, me too. One way or another, we're going to do this again. This was a delight. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for coming along on this uh, adventure with us. I am Spencer Hall. This has been Jessica Smetana. Where can, where can they find you, by the way, if um, they want to keep up with you? On the Twitters, uh, The Levitard Show, Off the Looking Glass, Golik and Smetty, Jessica underscore Smetana, or Jessica Smetana on Instagram if Twitter is gone by the time this gets published. Spencer, I've enjoyed doing this with you also this season. We're, we have like a few things potentially in the works for the off season. We really want to do more of those driver interviews. Um, might be hard now that they're all going to be on like Swiss holiday, but hopefully if you're, if you're subscribed to DNF, you'll see it pop up in your feed. So if there's any surprise bonus content between now and March, you will get it. Even if it's just Spencer and I reading a Wikipedia page for one of the many F1 scandals in history, um, that could be fun too. Yeah, that'll be enjoyable. You can find me uh, at the Channel 6 newsletter, where I do sometimes occasionally write about 
F1, as well as college football, hangover sandwiches, whatever else uh, you care to read about, we do twice a week with my partner, Holly Anderson. Additionally, you can find me uh, on Twitter at EDSBS. Uh, you can listen to the Shutdown Fullcast, where we occasionally talk about college football, but mostly about a lot of other garbage. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I've got a college football show, too, on the SEC Network on Mondays. I don't know. There's there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> But yeah, follow me on there. I've got a link tree in the description on my Twitter, which is the best way to do this. Don't follow me on Instagram. I only like take pictures of Warhammer shit. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you in the next episode, whenever that is. All right. Thanks y'all. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.